Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hey, and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you so much for pulling your chair up to the cool kids' table. We are going to have so much fun today because one of the things that I am blessed in my job of being a professional speaker and professional master of ceremonies is I go to a lot of conferences. I think I went to something like 52 conferences last year, uh, either as an attendee or as a speaker. And when you go to conferences, and let's face it, we know that you go to hear the speakers God, at least I hope you go to hear the speakers because sometimes that's me. But we know the real reason that people go in our you know social media crazy world. I mean, you can get all the information you'd ever want online. However, people go to make connections. And one of the great byproducts of my job is I get to meet really interesting people. And so today's guest is somebody who I met this weekend. And actually, full disclosure, we actually met about eight months ago at another conference, and I didn't really remember. And so I was kind of that guy. But she totally forgave me and said that we could uh, make up for it and if she'd be a guest on the show. So I said, absolutely. No, that's not what happened. She is really cool. And I wanted her to be a guest on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do because she deals with crisis readiness as one of the things that she does. And if you're an entrepreneur and you have a company guess what? You really have to think about that. So what she does is helps companies build irresistible, irrevocable brands. And I'm messing up the word. What's the word I'm looking for, Melissa? Invincible. Invincible. I knew it started with an I. She helps build invincible brands. And so you know what? There's going to be a day when you have a crisis. What do you want to be? You want to be invincible. So I would like to welcome Melissa Agnes to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Hey. Hey, Tom. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thanks for being here. So I don't really go into long bios. I clearly don't read them because I couldn't come up with the word invincible, which was an important part of what you do. So why don't you tell everyone who's listening, who is Melissa and what makes you awesome? Well, that's a different question of what I do. No, that's not true. Um, um, Who is Melissa? So professionally, I do. I help organizations build invincible brands. Um, by becoming crisis ready. And that means that the entire team, the entire organization, every department understands what risk looks like to the organization, how to identify it, how to quickly assess it, and then how to respond and react to it in real time in a way that actually increases stakeholder trust and credibility and goodwill with those who matter most to the business rather than depreciating from it, which can happen in a negative situation. So obviously, all size companies are susceptible to risk of some sort. What is sort of the sweet spot? Who do you serve in, in the world of business? Uh, as, a, as an advisor, I serve large organizations with a lot of risk. And that can be anything from government, law enforcement, NATO, um, to venues like um, uh, rodeos that have you know <laughs> 2.6 million people on their grounds within a, a certain amount of time in the year. Um, to hedge funds, to banks, to universities. So it's large organizations with very, very high risk. Wow. So how did you get into this? What I mean, did you wake up one day and say, I want to be the queen of risk and helping people, you know, be invincible? What's your background? What led you to where you are? So I think the natural fit is something I've learned recently about myself that is different than other people. I've always, always known it about myself. But apparently people don't see risk everywhere, just 
you know, as a baseline, I was that kid. I was the kid that didn't want to go on the subway to go out for dinner with your my family because we didn't have a car because that was too risky. The subway was too risky for me. So I see risk everywhere. But I the other thing is that I see risk, I see how to mitigate it, and then I see the opportunity in it. That's kind of the way that my brain works. And I've been an entrepreneur for this year is my 11th year being an entrepreneur. And at the time, so almost uh, almost a decade ago, I was doing social media marketing back when social media marketing was starting to be a thing for companies. And they were starting to realize that, hey, maybe we should be you know, online and social <laughs> and figure that out. Isn't that weird and to think back that that was only 10 years ago so when companies like, so should we have an online presence? I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. Should we? So, and I remember sitting and redoing, you know, catching up on my reading one day and all of a sudden everybody is talking about social media and how it's great and how you can leverage these platforms and connect with customers and market and don't have to rely on the media anymore. And of course my mind went to, well, why is nobody talking about the potential risk? And why is nobody talking about the potential risk in a way because then I see the opportunity, right? So if something goes badly, now you have all of these platforms to actually leverage and communicate directly with those who matter most to your business and get ahead of the news cycle and take control of that narrative and not be in um, reliant on the media that may not even know about you yet. So therefore, they're not bringing in your messaging, whatever the case may be. And I remember that I remember that moment and it was just this light bulb that went off inside of me. And then for about a year while I was still doing what I was doing, I could not consume enough on the topic of crisis management for organizations, which prior to that day, I didn't even know existed as a business <laughs> or as a, as a you know profession. And then it happened about a year later where a client of mine, it was a real estate investment trust. We had just launched their website. The VP calls me really early one morning saying that the president of the organization is in the car with a prospective investor. The news media on the radio is reporting that one of their buildings is about to explode. It's not true. Apparently the rumor started on Twitter. They don't understand at all what Twitter is, but apparently it's an online thing. And because we launched their website, they thought to call me and can I help? So that was just kind of perfect alignment of the stars. So within 30 minutes, you know, long story short, I had the media correcting themselves. I had all of everything being fixed. And the next day, the president of the company called to say that not only did their unit price not go down since yesterday, but it actually went up a cent. So thank you so much. Wow. And that was just kind of the epiphany that was like, I'm, I'm passionate about this. Companies need this and I can clearly help them with it. So we pivoted. We said, my partner and I at the time just said, we're not really having so much fun anymore. This is a passion and let's go do it. And that's what we did. So that's an amazing story, especially going back to being the kid who was like, no, I don't, I don't want to ride the subway because I see risk everywhere to actually, <laughs> you know, turning that around into, you know, being sort of a leading person in this whole world of, of, of crisis. I mean, that's, that's kind of a great story. Now, I, I don't know how old you are, but I've met you. You look very young. You've been an entrepreneur for 11 years. Did you start when you were like 16 or did you have a Just job? Years later. Did you yeah. have a, did you have like a corporate job somewhere before going off on your own? I, yeah, I had several, I kind of danced around and not necessarily corporate other than data entry when I was like 16. <laughs> um, but yeah, from dental assistant to daycare teacher to um, waitress to, I didn't know what I wanted to do until, and I was a terrible employee. Honestly, I was that I didn't, I didn't feel like I owned my life being an employee. That was the feeling. And so at, to answer your question at 
21. Is that true? No, at 20, because it's 11 years. No, 21. Apparently, I'm not very good at math. Um, <laughs> 21. I, well, I just started being an entrepreneur, and it was a joke, but it led to where I am today. So See, but it's that, been a fun year. That's so awesome, because so many people who contact me who listen to this show – they feel like they're a bad employee or they feel like they're ladders against the wrong wall or they've been bouncing around trying to to find something that they can be true to. And you were yeah. able to do it so young. I'm jealous. People ask me all the time when they interview me is, do you have any regrets in life, right? Because I'm, I'm into that second half of life, which I know seems so far away for you. But it's, you know, I'm 50, I'm almost 52. And people say, do you have any regrets? And the only regret I have is that I didn't start my business earlier. I would have loved to have gone back and sort of found some sort of a connection to start doing what I'm doing now 10 years instead of in my 40s to have started in my you know 30s or my or even better my 20s because I think that you know you get more comfortable with this entrepreneurship as you go forward and so the only regret I have is I was well into my 40s before I started it well and you know I could say the opposite I could be I could say I was too young and I made so many foolish mistakes and <laughs> you know but I will say I never knew I never realized how hardworking I am until I was not working for somebody else. So you've been doing this for, you know, essentially most of your adult life. What is it that you love about running, running your own business, about being an entrepreneur? Everything. I think it goes to controlling my life. Everything that I do, everything is my decision. Every place, every client I work with, every colleague I get to, you know, be a friend, um, owning my life. I love the travel as a speaker and a consultant and advisor. I mean, you know, we travel so much. I think that that's just such a gift. And the people, meeting people that I f find my tribe all around the world. And there's no greater feeling, I think, than finding the people that you really connect with. So, Well, I've been doing a lot of research and a lot of work on like how people feel about their own potential and the results that they're getting. And, and one of the main buckets of how you reach more potential is connecting with people. And so that's why, you know, as I started the show, I said I'm so fortunate because everywhere I go, I get to meet cool people, you know, doing cool things, which is why I call the show Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. So what advice would you have for somebody who's listening to this and maybe they're 21 and maybe they're 51 and they're thinking, I, I want to go out and carve my own path in the world. What would you tell them to do? I think, okay, so two things. One is to be prepared to work harder than you have ever worked in your entire life. <laughs> Amen. Because that's just, and we're constantly reinventing ourselves. We're constant as entrepreneurs. I mean, I had a conversation with a friend the other day and we're like, why? I feel like every six months I have to do something new to my website. Like you're constantly, constantly trying to just keep a step ahead. So be prepared to work harder than you have ever worked in your life. And on that note as well is really, really, you have to believe in yourself. You have to believe in the value that you bring, you have to bring value, but you have to believe in what you're doing, the mission of it, the way that you help your clients um, and not let, not let the, cause it's going to go up and down and it's probably going to go down before it goes up. So don't let the down discourage you or make you stop if you really, really, if it really is what you want to do. And if you really are delivering value. So how did you get into speaking? Because obviously you started off doing web consulting and, and social media consulting, and then you moved over to this crisis readiness piece. But where did the speaking come into it? I honestly don't really remember. <laughs> I do remember being in grade seven and winning an award for speaking and knowing in me that this is going to be something I'm going to do when I'm adult, an adult. And then I kind of just remember speaking. 
I know that's still not the right answer. Oh, no, but hey, there's but, no there's no wrong answers. <laughs> but it's I remember better how I got into crisis, you know, being a crisis management professional than how I became a public speaker. <laughs> it just happened organically, I think. Well, and I mean, I, I look back in high school and, and, you know, back in my day in high school, high schools didn't really have closed circuit television systems with, you know, cameras and all this. Now everyone does. But uh, my high school was actually across the street literally from Santa Anita racetrack, which is one of the grand old horse racing thoroughbred tracks in the country out in uh, Southern California. And when they, in the 1970s, upgraded their entire system for the on-property closed-circuit televisions, they gave all of the old black and white cameras and the entire mixing board and everything to the high school across the street. Probably a donation, probably a big tax deduction. That way they didn't have to box it up. Somebody just, you know, came across the street and took all the stuff over there. And so my high school had television production as a class. And so for 10 years, I guess, before I got there, eight years, they actually had a newscast. And every year, a bunch of people would try out and like six seniors would be chosen to be the anchors. And then some people, juniors mainly, would be the the reporters. And it was usually like the really cool kids. So I make the joke at the beginning of this show always is, you know, thanks for pulling your chair up to the cool kids table. Yeah, I wasn't the kid at the cool kids table in my high school, but I tried out for the Apache News because for some reason I did. It wasn't something I, I wasn't the guy who went and tried out for everything either. And I ended up getting the highest score. And so every Tuesday and Thursday or every Tuesday, I guess I was in homeroom reading the news of the school and the teachers always commented how good I was at it. So while I didn't think I could make a career out of it, other than I I toyed with the idea of being a newscaster, but I really didn't know how to go about that either. Uh, I guess that there was something I was good at as a kid, but I wish that someone had come to me and said, you know, hey, you have this gift. That's a thing. That's a business you could create because nobody ever told me that. It's true. So how do entrepreneurs get across that gap? You talked about the fact that there's going to be downtimes if you're running your own business. And so, you know, I think, I think everybody's got potential to do something, but in reality, there is a gap between the potential someone has and the results they get in business, whether they work for someone else or they work for themselves. What are the steps that you've taken to get farther across that gap? I mean, obviously all of us have more potential. I don't think any of us are really doing everything we could do, but you've had a very successful run in the last several years. You know, what did you do to get across that gap? I'm extremely strategic. So always thinking strategically, not trying to work smart rather than work hard, um, as the saying goes, and surrounding myself with people that are so much smarter than me and just, you know, learning whatever I can from them and then adapting it to what does that mean to me? Maybe it works for me, maybe it doesn't, but what does it mean for me and to me? Um, Working really hard, doing really good work. I am meticulous in everything that I do, the quality, my standards, and my selectiveness, all of it um, counts for whether I'm hiring somebody to do something for me or whether I'm the one being hired to do something for a client. Um, hard work, yeah, <laughs> and never stop. I mean, just never stop. <laughs> Not that <laughs> I don't want to discourage anybody, but... No, but that's the type of stuff that, you know, a lot of people don't understand. They think, oh, how cool, you know, you get to drive your daughter to school on Friday and go have coffee with her. You don't have to be at the office at eight o'clock. And it's like, yeah, but on Saturday, I'm sitting at my desk, you know, editing my podcast or, you know, getting it ready to go to the editor. I actually have an editor who does the real editing, but, you know, I don't think you get to turn it off. You know, there's the old joke about, you know, you, if you, if you're an entrepreneur, you get to decide which 20 hours a day you want to work. It's totally up to you. 
You know, you get yep. to pick those 20 hours. You can sleep those four hours that, uh, at your own choice. But, you know, you talked about surrounding yourself with really smart people. That's the way I felt this weekend at the conference that you and I were at. Oh, my goodness. I, were we ever surrounded by brilliance? Oh, my God. I mean, I, so I've, I've been around the National Speakers Association a little longer than you have. I've been a pretty active member for nine years. I don't think I've ever been to an event that had that level of not just content, but context from the stage in the workshops and, and, and in the general sessions. I mean, I was like, maybe I don't belong here. I'm not as good as these people, you know, and, and not as a speaker, but as a researcher and as a thought leader and as, you know, somebody who can synthesize brilliance. I was like, blah. We it was this weekend was such a blessing. It was so much fun. And the brilliance that was there, I agree. It was just mind blowing. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of those people are my friends. And I literally was like, I'm, I, I never noticed they were that brilliant before. That's frightening. But it really, it was really an awesome thing. And I think that's why I'm, I'm a big believer, no matter what you do, you should be involved with industry groups. I mean, if I was, if I was a locksmith, I would be a member of the National Locksmiths Association. I just think that when you get around the best in your industry, A, you're inspired, B, they teach you. But see, success leaves clues. So if you're hanging out with people who are successful like that, whether they mean to or not, they can't help but, you know, drop brilliance and you're going to pick up the crumbs along the way and it just helps make you better. So, you know, I thought that this weekend was was extremely inspiring for me. Agreed. And, you know, we're so lucky that you and I, we have similar friends or we, you know, same friends um, in, in that regard somewhere. And just, I would say, so I was never that, I'm not a group person and I never understood the whole industry networking or never did until I joined NSA, until I met the people that are now my friends that are insanely, insanely smart and passionate and kind and generous and like-minded, right? So it's, you're finding, it's, you're finding your tribe. And when your tribe can inspire and motivate you to be a better human, a better professional, that's a gift. That's <laughs> something to be very feel very blessed for. And I think that's an important thing. Very few people who come on the show, when I ask them for sort of their secret sauce, very few people say, I did it all alone and nobody was there to help me. I mean, the answer that I get from most people when, you know, what can you do? And there's lots of answers, but the one that continuously comes up is surround yourself with the right people or have the right network. Now, I built my speaking career and, and the first books I wrote on teaching people how to network. And when I first started, there were people who were like, well, it's kind of a fluffy topic. Everybody knows how to network. But what happened was 10 years ago when I began this, the smartphone appeared at the same time. And everybody said, well, now it's going to be easy to network because we'll just we'll just do LinkedIn connections. We won't need live events. And I started this program called Connecting with People in a Gadget Crazy World. Well, this year, I mean, literally in the last two months, so many things are coming out that I've been saying for 10 years about put the phone down, engage with people. And it's like, uh, hello, I've been saying that for 10 years. But uh, there's that commercial with Will Ferrell where the kids are like, I miss daddy. And it sounds like he's dead. Then they pan over and dad's just at the head of the table kind of <laughs> on his phone. But I was always a group person. I bring this up because I was always the kid who was joining the clubs and running for president of the club. And, you know, I wasn't a cool kid, but I was out there, you know, playing in the in the groups anyway. And uh, in college, I was in a fraternity. And I've been very fortunate. I've kept in touch with many people from all stages of my life. But if you were to ask me, who are the 10 closest friends you have in the world? Five of them, maybe even six, 
would be people I've met through the National Speakers Association. I've only been a member for nine years, which means that when you get with your people, like you said, when you find your peeps, your tribe, magic happens. And, and I've had that in, inside this organization as well. Yeah, it's a gift. It's awesome. So I have more questions for you. But first, right. I have to thank the sponsor of this episode. So this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you're going to sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing really cool people like Melissa Agnes. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know some of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. So Melissa, I call the show Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. What is the coolest thing you're doing with your business right now? The, in my opinion, I am, I, my book, Ooh, my book. Tell us yes. about your book. That is, so my book is called Crisis Ready, Building an Invincible Brand in an Uncertain World. It is it is actually, I've done, I've done some stuff and this is, I think the thing that I am the most proud of in my professional career, just because I can't help every organization. So I, and there was no way that I was going to write another crisis management book that makes you want to sleep <laughs> or not join the profession, uh, or not do it for your organization or whatever, you know, insert the blank. So this book has been a labor of pure love over the last year. I mean, it's a two-color print. It's everything to make it interesting and engaging and fun. There's like quizzes and I'm a, I like games. So, you know, games and just, and it, it, it is literally me putting every single thing that I do with clients, the way that I do it, the way that my mind works, what to think about. So from A to Z, if I can't work with you or you can't work with me, you still deserve to have an invincible brand. This book takes you through that journey and brings you to that mission. So I'm so excited about it and so proud of it. So yeah. I can, I can hear it in your voice. It's like you lit up like a Christmas tree when you started talking about the book. And that's what I love when I ask people, what are you doing? That's cool. I love it when their passion kind of comes through on this. So, so you've written this book now, I know that you work with big companies. Is this something, because small companies probably can't afford you, is this something that like if I was a solopreneur or if I was a 10-person company and I'm worried about you know having my brand be invincible, does this help companies of all sizes? Every single size, straight down from, so it was written with students in mind because students are the future within organizations. And it was, and I'm doing a lot with schools now to position that. And it was written for every single organization, whether, I mean, I do a lot of work with law enforcement, just like I do a lot of work with Fortune 100 and 500. So it's for all of them and it's, it's for everybody. And it's for, it's for the entire team. So there, it's specifically laid out to your entire team should read chapters one through five and then leadership and management that are actually going to be tasked with needing to support and buy in as well as actually implementing should read the entire book. Hmm. So it was, yes, <laughs> long answer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, but, but I think that's great. And, and, you know, you said two things about yourself earlier in the interview. And one is that you're, you're very strategic focused. And then the other thing is that you work very hard and you're meticulous to do great work. So as you described your book, it was very interesting because that came through kind of on the back end that you clearly put a lot of strategy into how you created the book. And then I imagine that the book itself is just going to be awesome because you wouldn't do it any other way. But I could hear that in your voice. 
Thank you. I hope so. <laughs> I hope, it, I hope it, it gives the value that it's intended to give. So where can people get this book? If they're thinking, yep, I want to be invincible and I do have to worry about crisis, I'm going to read her book. Anywhere books are sold. So oh. Amazon. <laughs> what a great um, answer. If you want, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Duh. Um, if you want bulk, then you can get in touch with um, me and it's all over my website. And, my and your website is melissaagnes.com. And the book is called Crisis Ready. Crisis Ready. You can go to melissaagnes.com and buy them in bulk and give them to your whole team. You can go to Amazon and all the other places where books are sold and get that. So I love to ask the people who come on the show this next question, because we could talk about you and your book and, and really your very fascinating career. We could talk about that for hours. However, I think great entrepreneurs are observers. And so I love to ask people who come on the show, who do you think in the world of entrepreneurship, who do you think is doing something cool? Who, who's crushing it in your mind? So many people are crushing it. And so many people you can pick a couple cool things. <laughs> yeah. Um, talking about my book and talking about learning from brilliant minds, um, Phil M. Jones with oh. his book, Exactly What to Say, and now his new one, Exactly How to Sell. Um, he's, he's crushing it in the, with just as an author, you know, there's this perception that you can't make money by writing a book and he's just, and it, he's not doing it for the money. He's doing it for the message, but he is so strategic and just, keeps going in the sense of how many, how many people can I get this book? How many people more can I get, you know, this book into their hands because he believes in the message and the value it provides. And it's a great book and it really does. Um, and, and he yeah. is wicked. We're talking about the wicked, smart oh, people we, we hang out with. I've met him a couple of times. He is wicked smart. And at the same time, like so giving, like, so like, you know, Hey, have you tried this? And, and, you know, when I talked to him, uh, he was a guest on cool things entrepreneurs do. So obviously I keep good company because he's one of the people Clearly. who've been on this show that you mentioned, but he, um, when I first met him, I said, I have to have you on the show. And so I emailed him like a couple of days later and I said, when can we do this? And he said, in a half hour, question mark. And I was like, well, yes, absolutely. <laughs> and I just loved the fact that he goes, yeah, I was just sitting around the apartment. I didn't have anything going on. That was a perfect time to do it. Where so many people out there are like, well, I can give you a half hour in six weeks if my assistant and her virtual six assistants will say that that half hour is okay. And he was like, how about right now? And I'm like, awesome. And I think it's one of the best. I get so many compliments on his his interview. So uh, I, I, think he, I think he's a and good choice. And that's not to say he's not busy because he's one of the oh, busiest people right. I know. Yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but accessible. Um, Michael Benge Staniel, Stanier 2 MBS is doing a great job. He's the same. His book is phenomenal and the way that he markets it and positions it and the work that he does to get that out there um, to his target market and how generous he is in you know providing his strategies and his approaches similar to Phil just – two really great humans doing exceptional things. You're a good observer because I agree. Those are great. Those are awesome. So <laughs> the last question I ask everybody is, what do you do to give back to the greater good? Because at the end of the day, I mean, we all want to make money, but it's not just about money. I think the great entrepreneurs, I think they want to have an influence. They want to be significant. They want to they want to leave a mark. So what do you do? Uh, what do I do? I do a lot of work with students in the sense of, well, I mean, I, I guess lecture and all that, and I donate my time for universities around the world um, every semester. But not just that, but when students actually write to me and say, can I pick your brain? I'm writing a thesis, or I want to get into this field, or um, young entrepreneurs, or um, not even just young entrepreneurs, 
PR firms, you know, small boutique PR firms that are like, well, we need to help our clients become crisis ready. Can I pick your brain? I never say no. And to me, that is, and I will help them, I will help them become my comp- competition because I don't believe in competition. I think that there's enough, you know, work and need out there for everybody. Um, but it's, it's important to do good work and it's important to help organizations in a real, real way that will actually help them build brand invincibility and not, you know, fluff <laughs> build. Um, so yeah, I donate a lot of my time to doing that. I think that I think that that's awesome because it you know when you think about the world we live in, so many. We'll talk about the students. You say help anybody, so even even an old person like me could call and ask for help. But the the, the young people, a lot of them don't get that type of guidance growing up. So I have two young men who I mentor, and people who listen to the show know because I talk about them all the time. My my kids refer to them as my fake sons. Uh, I, I have two daughters in my real life, but my daughters refer to these two guys as my fake sons. My older daughter said they're not in the will, right? And I said, no, they are not in the will. She's like, okay, then they can be like your fake sons. Uh, <laughs> but but one of them, he was estranged from his own father, and his father died when he was in college. And we've really kind of developed a father and son sort of relationship. When I was out in Los Angeles, I actually stayed at his place. We got up early. We went for like a five-mile run. And we really kind of have developed this. And he said to the other guy, I've, I've never encountered anybody who's just willing to just help me for no reason and, you know, they were both telling this to me, saying, we're so lucky you've come into our lives. But I'm like, I learned so much from them by helping these, you know, they're not students, they're a little beyond that. But by helping these young guys with their life and their career, they call me with any type of question like you might, you know, a father or, or a cool uncle. And I learned so much from them. They don't even get a clue as to what they teach me. And so I think that by doing what you do, you know, not only do you help help the future generations and give people that mentorship, but you know, I also think that you benefit from it in so many ways. So I think that's a win-win thing that you do. Agreed, 100%. So I have absolutely loved this interview. You've shared so much. And I think that you know, it's something that every entrepreneur needs to think about. We need to read your book. We need to be prepared. And we really should all be invincible because all we have to do is pay attention to the news and brands are getting beat up all the time, sometimes because of things they've done. But even more scary is sometimes it's not things they've done. Sometimes like you talked about the client where, where it came up from you know Twitter and it wasn't even true and it could have dropped their stock price. I mean, this could happen to any one of us at any, at any time. So what's your last piece of advice for the person who's listening when it comes to being ready for something like that to happen? What do we all need to know before we read your book? Hmm. I think if I were to give one thing, it would be that when something negative happens, it could be an issue, it could be a crisis, doesn't always have to be this catastrophic crisis because issues chip away at your your trust and your credibility or your brand's trust and credibility if you don't manage them well and they do the absolute opposite or the complete opposite when you do manage them well um, is to remember that it's always about people. People are the reason that your business exists, whether it's your employees, your customers, your investors, your board, your vendors, it's always about people. So if you always manage any type of negative event or negative incident in with looking at how can I connect closer, how can I strengthen the relationships with those who matter most to our business, that will guide you in the right direction. People are the reason your business exists. I think that might be the title of this episode. That's awesome. That was great. Ooh, I like that. I like that. Hey, 
Melissa Agnes, thank you so much for being a guest on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you to you, Tom. And thank, and thank you to everybody who tuned in. I say it every episode. If it wasn't for the audience, we wouldn't have a show. You can follow us on Twitter, at Cool Podcast. You can find me on uh, all the regular social media stuff under Tom Singer. That's T-H-O-M-S-I-N-G-E-R. Uh, uh, TomSinger.com is my website. And if you want to join the group coaching program, we are having a lot of success this year. We have a small but mighty group of people, and uh, we get together by a Zoom call. Uh, we actually do it twice a week with the intention that people only come once a week, but that way we can manage it because the group got too big. We wanted to give everybody some time, so it's either a Tuesday night or a Friday morning, and we call it the Potential Mastermind Project because everybody's working, whether they're an employee working on being better at what they're doing, someone who's out of work looking for a new job, or an entrepreneur or a solopreneur who's just trying to bridge that gap in their own career. Those are the things we talk about, and you can find out all the information about that at PotentialMastermind.com. Hey, we're going to be back in a couple of days with an interview with somebody just as cool as Melissa. I know you're thinking, how will you ever find somebody just as cool? But we always do. But in the meantime, I'm going to challenge you. Go out there and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.